Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out into the streets of Chicago. I look to my right, and I have my trusty co-pilot, the great one, the podfather, Doug Tonus. How you doing, brother? I'm, uh, I'm doing fantastic. I got the whole show started. You know, I even started up uh, the Bulls beat back. Are you excited for the return of the Bulls beat? Fantastic news. I must admit, I'm not as excited about the Bulls beat when I'm not participating on it with <laughs> our, our, our mutual friend, Mark Kate from Australia. That said, man, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to listening to it uh, as much as possible. You could definitely participate. I just uh, I just had like thoughts I'd throw out there. and yeah, it's so hard to get you, me, and Mark. <laughs> it's even so hard for just you and I to get together. I think that's like the, the driving force of us not always getting this podcast out there. It's just... Uh, it's difficulty getting timing done. Absolutely true. But I will say, now that my coaching career looks like it may be over due to the fact that my son is graduating from eighth grade, going on to high school, and I have no plans of coaching in high school, uh, I'll probably have some more time to share my incredible basketball knowledge with the, with the greater Bulls universe. So uh, I hope to get some more shows out there. And uh, I do want to do a music show, Doug. I want to, if you're interested in that and in in participating on that, I think I'm going to make the bullseye music, like music history, since I'm also a rock uh, historian in addition to a bulls prophet and and, uh, bulls historian. I think it might be very interesting to listen. I might perform a little bit on that. What what say you? You want to jump on that with me? (laughs) I I think it would be hard to find someone who knows less about music than me. So... uh... I may not be. Sounds like you'd be a great guest. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be like, well, you know what? I like, I like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. So, you know, rock legends. Um, so on that note, yeah, let's uh, move on to Bulls <laughs> basketball, please. Uh, hey, I got to tell you, Doug, these playoffs, I've, I've really enjoyed it. In fact, today's game, by the time you're hearing this, we're going to know one game seven of the, the Kings Golden State series. But overall, I think this, these playoffs have been absolutely fascinating, incredible to watch, really great stuff. And the, Incredible play, amazing play. Jimmy Butler has brought up a lot of old talking points. I don't know if you've noticed on some of our our friend shows, uh, Mark K, our mutual friends, Mark K from Australia, uh, and Joe Cowley were uh, together recently with our, our other friend uh, Will Gottlieb on a CHGO podcast, where it was a lot of nodding heads and uh, and talking about you know fake narratives, and it was just. Uh, I got to tell you, I was pretty, I, I got a little irritated listening to it. I don't know if you heard that show. Did you listen to that show? I, I did not. I mean, but but I can guess what was on there only because the the general talking points are pretty similar for any Jimmy Butler discussion. What do you think that, what do you think the general talking points were <laughs> on uh, this show? Take a guess. A, well, a I wild mean, I, stab I, I in just the dark. imagine it just gets down to, you know, we should have kept Jimmy Butler we lost this trade. One, two, uh, good. You know, check, check. Jimmy Butler would have would have led us so much better than what we did. You check. Know, the front office was terrible for getting rid of all the assets. The assets really weren't as check. good as they turned out to be. You know, we wasted check, Larry Markkinen. Yeah, whatever. It it's fine. Like I think all of those things are kind of true too. It's just that's a very no, they're not. Give me a well, no, no. All those things are true, but it's like a very non-contextual perspective of looking at it. I mean, are we going to talk about Jimmy Butler? Well, I do want to talk about this because I think it's it's a topic at hand that people want to talk about. I just think the rewriting of history is like so freaking nauseating when I I listen to stuff like that. And I know like people just assume. And Joe does have credibility. He was there. He was in the. He was in the. He was a beat writer. But Joe's. Let's also be honest. 
his credibility is also a little bit slanted, like he's in love with Jimmy. Uh, you know, he's a big Jimmy stan, and he's very anti-front office, so everything that Joe's going to say is going to be from that angle, and I'm not well, saying he's lying. everything Joe's going to say is just that whatever is going on with the Chicago team sucks. It doesn't matter the Chicago team. A lot team. of times he happens to be right. It doesn't matter what's going on. And, you know, it's a real easy position to take because every year 20, 29 teams lose and one team wins, you know, depending on how many teams are in the various leagues. You know, so it's like it's really easy to always just say things aren't good enough because there's only one champion out of 30, and you can complain about anything else. And, you know, so he, he and other people like him made a career doing that. Just like, you know, if you were a little bit better, instead of complaining that you're you're not a playoff team, you'd complain that you're, you know, not an Eastern Conference Finals team, or you're, you know, this was the front office that couldn't put us over the top and lost in the finals. Like, it just wouldn't matter how far you got unless you win. You know, he's always going to have the negative narrative, and he's always going to be able to claim victory on it. Um, you know, that's, and just, that's, that's just something his a lot niche. of people want to hear. Niche. You know, that's, yeah, that's but I, I will say, I mean, there, I'm not saying that it's completely wrong. There are a lot of faults in general. He's he, he's very anti Jerry Reinsdorf, and you know what? I'm really starting to come around after all these years, I guess, to the idea that uh, Reinsdorf needs to do a, a lot of changes, and uh, I find a lot of things that he does. I mean. I'm not a Sox fan. I grew up on the South Side. My entire family are Sox fans. Uh, I, everybody I love, for the most part, that's part of my family, are, are massive Sox fans. My brother and I were the only two who were able to break out of that abyss and become Cub fans. So um, I've enjoyed this year very much. But there's no doubt, if you were a Sox fan, this this year has been complete hell. But and but like that's on Jerry Bernstorff. Look, well, I, he's, I, yeah, I the guy that he's put in position is absolutely. I know. Honest. I know nothing about baseball. Okay, so I'm not. So this is just like stuff I've heard. It seemed like the White Sox were deemed to have an extraordinarily good young roster that they were rebuilding, and they did a great job of collecting talent. And now that talent hasn't panned out and is playing really poorly. But that doesn't seem like wow the the run, the the coaching or the owners screwed them. Like it it seemed like everyone felt really positive about the White Sox talent, and then just it hasn't come together like they thought it would. But like, uh, Doug, you're not trying to argue though that like. This ownership team uh, hasn't been, uh, you know, like comparable to Golden State or Boston in that they're going to no, do whatever. No, uh, all I'm saying right. is, all I'm saying is, right now. So I'm going to I'm going to back this into another point. There's times you can complain about ownership. There's times you need ownership to step up and do stuff. And there's times where it's really irrelevant. And it feels like with both the White Sox and the Bulls right now, time is kind of irrelevant. Like neither, like they, the White Sox were in a rebuild. They got tons of good young talent. Everyone felt good about that. Like, but then that talent didn't pan out how people thought it was going to. And that's not like well, ownership just screwed us over. They wouldn't pay to keep all these guys that were really great and whatever. Like, and you look at the Bulls' position, and you know, I know probably Marquet and maybe some of those guys will complain we don't pay the tax. But like, look around the league. What team misses the playoffs and says I'm going to pay the tax for like? An incremental rotation player. I'm going to pay the tax to add a seventh man when I miss the playoffs. Like, no team does that. Like, zero. It's zero. Like, like look through the whole history. It's zero. Teams don't pay the tax. They, they pay the tax if they're a contender and they can make an iterative improvement and they have a chance to win. Or they're a contender and they need to pay the tax to stay where they are so they can keep a chance to win. They pay if they're a non-contender and they can bring in, like, a superstar that's going to radically change their position. Those are the only two times anyone pays the tax. People don't pay the tax to go from like 35 to 38 wins. 
And like that's where the bulls are now. And so this isn't a point where ownership is holding them back now. Do I believe ownership would hold them back at a different point? Yeah, probably. Like I am super skeptical that if you know the bulls had like two or three superstars and all of a sudden they had to pay all three and it was going to be a mountain of money, but if they paid them all, they'd have a chance to win. I'm super skeptical they would do it. But that's not the position we're in and that's not what's holding us back at the moment. So we could complain about it, but it's, it's irrelevant right now. Could it be relevant at some other time? Yeah, it could be. But it's not right. So, it was absolutely relevant in two th- summer 2012, and nobody's going to remember this or, or talk about it. And everybody who's part of it, including John Paxson and Gar Fromm, would probably deny that it's true. But we all know it is true that Kyle Korver walked because they did not want to pay the tax. Yeah, the Bulls they're put punting on the next in a situation. Already. Yes, the, absolutely. John Paxson wanted to have Kyle Korver back. Uh, excuse me, it would be the summer. Well, the, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. What are, we, what are we talking about? We're I'm, I'm just bringing this up. No, 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 no. I'm bringing this up. No, I Who do want to counter. I want to counter your point by All saying right, that the, a little bit, a little bit. Like you're like, well, we're not in that position. We're not in that position. The fact is, the Miami Heat are in the second round of the playoffs. We were up three point. We were up one point with three minutes left on the Miami Heat. And all this talk, like people were making fun of me, like we're not that far away. Hey, the line between the best in the East and the bottom of the league has never been more narrow in my lifetime. I'm telling you, this is a fact. The par- there are no more super teams. The parity in this league is really shrinking towards the middle. And the idea that, like, a team that's 38 wins, if you make one move that has a massive impact on the quality of the team, that can happen absolutely in this situation if you are willing to pay, if you are willing to make investments. And I don't think they're always willing to do that. They're just not. I know they weren't doing that for, for Gar and Pax. And I, it, it, although they've opened up the pocketbooks a little bit for these guys, actually. No, they haven't. The pocketbooks well, are exactly They did the with same. Billy Donovan. They absolutely did. With Billy, Billy Donovan. Donovan is such a complete irrelevancy. Like, pocketbook-wise, like, it's like $5 million. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. No, who cares? It, it's irrelevant. They, they basically, I'll tell you. The pocketbooks are the same. We'll pay up to the tax line. Here, here's where here's where I think Bulls ownership is. Here's what I think the reality is. We'll pay up to the tax line. You got to be a second round team if you want us to go further. Pay more. I think that's the reality. Whether you think that's a good enough reality or not is up to you. But I think that's the reality. If if we you can pay, spend up to the tax line, but until you get to the second round, don't come back asking for more money. I'll tell you right now, we don't have any choice right now. You're going to have to spend money because there is no other way. There's nothing else we can do. You, you know what else we can do, Fred? Vucevic, we can lose. You can't, we, we could lose? And, and for what? What's that going to do for us? You mean just go into the lottery again and, and do all that nonsense that we had no, to do? No, I mean, I mean what, what I'm point? telling you is we are not going to spend into the tax. We aren't. We're not. We're not going to spend into the tax to incrementally try and win 41 games instead of 40. They're not going to do it. Like well, that's whether the you like move. that or I'm not, telling you, Doug, no other think, team in the league is doing it either. No other no, team in the league is going to do, do that. Well, hold on a second. Are you telling me that you think, first of all, they're not going to go into the lottery? They're not going to try to lose. They're not going to trade everybody and and go back to where we were, you know, in 2017, 18, and 19. You agree with that, right? You agree yep, with that they're statement. Not do you also agree with me that the best move then for the Bulls would be, if that's the fact, you're not going to go back to that, the best move for the team would be not to let assets walk out the door with no, no nothing in return like Vucevic. I'm not a Vucevic fan, either are you, but I also agree that, you know what, you better bring him back because that's sure, an asset you eventually Vucevic. can trade. 
We'll see. We'll see, but if you bring them back, yeah, you bring those two guys back, you're you're dancing really close to that tax line. Probably not. Well, what about, what about, uh, you think they'll bring back Kobe? Hold on a second. You bring back Kobe and Vooch, you tell me they're not going to be paying a tax? No. You you're, you're you still think Kobe's not getting 12, 13, 14, 15. No, even a if year. even if Kobe gets that money money, they won't be in the tax. What about Io? Uh Io, I think they'll let walk. But, but if they do, I don't think Io's value is super high though. Like Not now, not now, but how's the team getting better if you let Io walk? He's a young player I mean, who showed promise. I mean, we just watched Io. How is the team getting better if Io stays? <laughs> I, I don't want to get. I don't want to. We've kind of veered off of where I want to kind of concentrate on. I want to go back to Jimmy. I just want to go back to the rewriting of history, like in this show. And um, so, your ultimate you know, point on the tax was nothing. We just threw that away. <laughs> the ultimate point. I think we're in a little bit of disagreement. Like, I do feel that like the Bulls need to sign every available asset. Including yeah, because if you want you need uh, to and pay a tax if you want it, considering the situation we're in right now, if you want to optimize your chances for winning, that's all. Well, if you want to optimize your chances for winning, sure, you should always use every resource possible. But they're not going to do that, and no other team in the league would do that either. No owner goes, you know what? It's worth thirty million dollars for me to lose in the first round of the playoffs than it is to miss the playoffs. Well, it might be for Golden State if they They just don't. I don't, think, I don't think even Golden State would do that. Golden State pays because they're winning titles. When Golden State sucks balls again, they're not going to be paying the tax to like lose in the first round. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do this I mean, just look around the league. Like, Fred, look around the league and say, who who was, who was missed the pay, playoffs and then paid the tax to acquire a role player? Look at the last 20 years. And the answer is probably zero teams. Did that? I think Miami might have been close to that when they when they when they acquired Kyle Lowry, who I I think is clearly a role player, not a superstar, anything close to it. When they acquired him, maybe I'm wrong on it. But I mean, Miami, Miami Miami was like just off a of finals appearance, and I don't think they missed the playoffs that that year. You know, they made they. I mean, like Miami's had true playoff success, and and, and that, while I don't think they're a contender, they could feel like they're a contender. You made your point. I, I agree with a lot of it. My, my bigger picture is here. This year, they need to get very close and possibly pay the tax. Well, they're going to get very optimize close. Because we got boxed into the situation, right? Well, we but they're not going to pay the that. tax to get out. They'll just win 38 games. They'll just run it back and hope for the best. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to pay the tax so they can lose in the first round. They just aren't. No one else will either. Like everyone says, oh, they have to do this. No one does it. No one does it. Your front office needs to be good enough to get you to the second round without paying the tax. Or has like a superstar where they can feel like with the right move, we could be a contender. The Bulls are not in that spot and no one pays the tax in that spot. Just no one does it. Fair enough. Let's go back to Jimmy discussion. Oh boy, I'm excited it's about def- it. We have, well, we have to bring this up because we don't really Jimmy's, have to. Absolutely we do because Jimmy's play. Listen, I was sitting in Las Vegas. I was in Las Vegas for work, sitting in a, in a sports book watching the Milwaukee series. And there are two sides of the story. Number one, Jimmy Butler was freaking unbelievable. And he, he brought it to a level, I will admit, I did not think he was capable of. And for people to say, well, we knew he was going to get to that level, I think is patently ridiculous. Because if you go back in time to 2017 when he was traded, 
I was a Jimmy Stan until the playoffs, until Game 3 when we were up 2-0, and he came back and put up the worst performance I've ever seen for a Chicago Bulls superstar, and we got our rear ends kicked in after Rondo broke his thumb. That said, I'm not, I, never, I never once argued that Jimmy Butler wasn't talented, but there were a lot of signs, disturbing signs, over the course of his tenure as the guy that would lead you to believe that that was a sound decision. Now, you know, many years ahead with the bubble finals and his performances against uh, Milwaukee, it's easy to say, how dumb, how stupid were they? But in 2017, it was still fresh in my memory of him criticizing Derrick Rose's work ethic, of him actively recruiting Dwayne Wade, which I was in favor of, and wanting Dwayne Wade and convincing the front office that we should go after Dwayne Wade. And we beat out Denver and Acme for Dwayne Wade, the services of Dwayne Wade, because that's what Jimmy wanted. And everybody who condemned that decision stupidly forgets that if the Bulls passed on Dwayne Wade in a summer that was a disaster for, in the summer of 2016, where almost every team but the Bulls signed horrendous, four- or five-year deals for average free agents, Jimmy Butler would have lost his mind if the Bulls did pass on an opportunity to get Dwayne Wade. Do you agree with that statement, or do you disagree with it? No, I think that's probably true. Okay, great. So, And then Joe Cowley, in, in this CHGO pod, I encourage everybody to go back and listen to it, brought up the point that Jimmy, when they traded him, did not want to be traded, and, and I agree with that. I, never, I think he wanted to stay in Chicago for a variety of business and monetary reasons. And he said, before he left to Europe to go with Mark Wahlberg, said, I'm going to recruit Kyle Lowry or Kyrie. I can get him here to Chicago. End statement. And Mark's just nodding his head. Doesn't bother to challenge the statement. Let's reverse that for a second. How would have that worked out for us? Bringing in Kyrie or Kyle Lowry. Are those two guys going to bring us a title? Do you believe that, Doug? Do you think we would have won a title with Kyrie, who's been a cancer basically everywhere he's gone, where he hasn't been LeBron's bat, uh, Robin to LeBron's Batman. Do you agree with that? Do you think that would have been a good move? I mean, you never know. Probably I, d- not, I know. But you never know. I know. Probably not. It, it would have ended up poorly. Yes. like if, if you could have even got it to work anyway. Which is the, the team around Jimmy that year with Bobby Portis and Nico Miritich, Taj Gibson to start the year, was not a bad team. We should have been better than you agree or disagree. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you were just ranting. I didn't know you wanted any of my opinion. I, I'd like your opinion on it. Like, do, you, do you feel going back <laughs> um, in your head to that time? No, did I mean, you feel I, it was, I feel like I, did you I, feel I, that I was a good like decision to move him? I think it was like you were at a – and look, going back in time, people were like really split on Jimmy Butler. You know, like they just really – they just were. Like you can argue anything you want, but people were just really split. They're like, well – you know, Jimmy Butler is a great player, but he's um, he's he's older. He's maybe not a super max player, which is what he was going to get if he stayed. We don't really have much around him. He's got the Tom Thibodeau miles on him. And you're just nervous about where that was going to go. And it's kind of like, well, if we can't go anywhere with Jimmy, you know, what are we doing here? Maybe we're, we're better off just. You know, moving on and rebuilding. Like, in, and I don't think people at that time thought Jimmy was like a, a guy you could win a, a championship with as a number one. And you know, now you kind of feel like he 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 is. I don't think that was the prevailing view at the time. You know, it's it's funny because I think I agree w- with you that people have 
hemmed and hawed about the Jimmy Butler thing too much. Like, I think your general point is like, hey, look, I this is probably a bad move in retrospect. But you're ignoring a lot of the context of why it made sense at the time. And, and is that kind of where you're going with this? Yeah, basically, uh, yeah. the bigger point is the fact that we were able to return Larry Markin and Zach Levine to uh, – Larry Markin might be an all-NBA player this year and Zach Levine. The, the idea that that front office is at fault because Acme traded Larry Markin in is asinine. In, in it, you have to evaluate the trade based on the return. You return a, a multiple all-star. Yes, are, are either of those players as good as Jimmy Butler? No. Jimmy Butler is brought up. But, but then again, we don't know how good they're going to be by the time they're 32. They're both I younger players. I don't think if, like if you're arguing, like, oh, the Bulls won this trade, like, they didn't win the trade. I think what I would say is, and the thing I've always said is, look, that Jimmy Butler got traded twice the, the year after the Bulls traded him and the year after that. And the return he got in each of those trades was terrible. You know, he yeah. demanded to the Bulls, like, either get rid of your coach or get rid of me before he left. He demanded out of the Timberwolves and said, I can't work with either of your star players. These guys are trash. You know, got to the 76ers and said, like, I can't work with Ben Simmons. You know, and, and be so, right on that one. so he's right on all of those things, really. Like, you know, and, and here's the thing. People will go back and say, well, Jimmy was right, so it's okay. Like, Jim, Jimmy was right. Fred Hoiberg did suck. Jimmy was right. Towns and, and Wiggins aren't any good. Jimmy was right. Ben Simmons. No, he wasn't right on that, Doug. But, Stop so just, there. Just, so just sh- for a second. So, like, let's just say he's right on all those things. And I think he kind of is right on, on most of those things. But so what? Like, you being right about something doesn't excuse you being a complete a-hole and not working with anyone in your organization and whatever else, right? Like, like that doesn't make that behavior okay. And it means that Jimmy's a, like absolute crap leader. He's just a terrible leader. And, and people will be like, oh, he's leading the Heat now. No, he's a phenomenal player, but he's a terrible leader. Like, he's, he's not leading anyone now. And he can only fit in the right niche where everyone thinks exactly like he does. He can't get the best out of like people who aren't like in lockstep with him. He's like completely inflexible in everything he does. And, and you know, and the Bulls weren't in a great position to deal with someone with, with those constraints at that point in time. And that's just, just how it is. And neither were the Timberwolves and apparently neither were the 76ers. You know, it's like, it's like you're we're worried about what happened with Jimmy three teams later. And two trades were like, what did the Timberwolves get? I think it was Robert Covington and Dario Saric. Memory serves me correctly. Yeah, garbage. What did, what did, garbage. The, what did the, the 76ers get? Josh Richardson? Josh Richardson, yeah. Bum. So, like, like, whatever. The Bulls got two future All-Stars back for Jimmy Butler that were, like, younger and fit for a rebuild. And they didn't do all the right things after that, clearly. Like, the Bulls haven't had success. But, like, if you want to go back in time and you say, like, yeah, this could go either way, right? Like, like if you, people only look at it as it went this way. If Jimmy Butler doesn't go to the Miami Heat, if he ends up, like, on some other team that doesn't think the same way he does, his history is totally different, you know? Because he did not get along with a lot of people. And so, you know, if that happens, you know, his, his history is totally different. It doesn't have to have gone the way it did. But Jimmy Butler, you know, he played – Built himself into a true superstar, massive playoff difference maker. And yeah, now if I could go back in time, I would keep Jimmy Butler. But 
you don't know how things are going to go in the future. And what they actually got back for him ended up being pretty good. So, like, of all the things I'm going to criticize, like, the Bulls moved off. And I'm going to wrap this now back all the way up to our current front office. Under the previous regime, the Bulls moved off of young players really frequently. They decided if a guy was worth it or not worth it, and they moved off guys all the time. You know, Tyrus Thomas, you know, Doug McDermott, even though they dislike him, they moved him. Um, uh, Tabo Cephalosha, Nikola Mirotic. Like, they just would move off guys for picks, future picks. Like, yep, this isn't, this isn't the guy. It's not going to work. And so, you know, they moved off Jimmy too early, and they were wrong on that one. Like, they were just wrong on that one. But was that, like, just some some crazy thing? Like, a lot of times it's better to move off too early than too late. And, yeah, they, they hosed that one up in retrospect. But there are reasons why they should have been scared about continuing with Jimmy. And, you know, turned out they shouldn't have done it. But, like, the rewriting of the context of, like, it was destined to work and Jimmy was a star and it was super obvious. Like, no, Jimmy became a lot better after he left on his third team after he left. And, you know, he proved he couldn't get along with lots and lots of people in the league, you know, even great players in the league. So, yeah, I, I just I just get it. Like, it's 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 not a big deal to me, like from a decision making perspective. It's not really a big deal. The one criticism I have of your comments, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I don't buy the Minnesota one. Like, Wiggins and Towns aren't winners. First of all, Wiggins has a title. He was a major part of that win with Golden State. He proved he's won a title, something Jimmy hasn't done yet, unless you've forgotten about it. So the idea that Wiggins wasn't a winner has been proved wrong. He was number one overall pick, rookie of the year. I think totally different. Well, it doesn't matter. He was a major part of a team that won a title. So to argue, like, when he went over there, that's all you heard was, oh, these guys are losers. They shouldn't pay him, was wrong. It was flat out wrong because Wiggins won a title with Golden State with some great players. Stop. Uh, Go to Towns. Like, Joe brought this up, too. Towns would bring his video games on the road. Like, hello? Do you know any kids in the ages between – 15 and 35, like, video gaming is a big part of their lives. He played Fortnite. Got news for you. He's hardly the first player in the league who plays video games in his off time. In fact, I would be willing to bet probably 50% of the league probably plays video games. To criticize him for that is ridiculous. Towns has not progressed like we expected. That said, he's one of the best big shooting men in the league that only comes through enough of uh, hours and hours of work. And you should be able to win with Carl Anthony Towns as a guy standing on a three-point line pulling out bigs. So to act like he wasn't a part of that team or brought any value, he was remarkably durable until this past year. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. You can win a title with Carl Anthony Towns as the third best player on your team or second best. So the worst Bulls podcast ever. Maybe you're right. Let's just move on to something else. I don't want to get into (laughs) it. I I just... Look, the other I don't understand the emotionality me. about Jim, Jimmy. Like, there's no reason to, like, whatever. You you want to be, like, crying your soup about it, like, six years later? I'm just done like, I'm I just, just done talking about it. That's it. We're going to stop talking about it. Like, yeah, I agree like, with you. But I do want to talk about Tibbs. Yeah. Go ahead. Tibbs. 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 Now we're going to go on to Tibbs again. Well, Tibbs, obviously, he finally got to the second round with another team. Congratulations. He beat a very poorly coached and incredibly I, I one of the worst coached series I've ever seen in Cleveland like 
It, I don't even want to get into. The I know you hate him. I, I, I think that, Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. I think he's a fantastic defensive coach. There's no doubt about it. But to act like that, he was perfect here. Like a couple of points Joe made, he doesn't play young. There's a narrative he doesn't play young players. Yes, there's a narrative because it's freaking true. And he brought up while well, he played Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson was first team all rookie under Vinny Del Negro. He was a fantastic player in his rookie year. He was an old player in college. He was, I think, he was twenty. One or twenty-two when he was drafted, he was already had one full year of basketball behind him when Tibbs got him. There's this whole narrative out there that Luol Deng, Tibbs made Luol Deng, he made Taj Gibson, he made Noah, he made Rose. Rose was an all-star before Tibbs arrived. Noah had stole the ball and dunked it on Pierce before Tibbs arrived. That was under uh, uh, Vinny. Taj Gibson was first team under Vinny. Dang in his third year averaged 18 points under Skiles. Dang was a great player who was always no, hurt. I don't think anyone started. has that narrative that you just described. Uh, there's tons I've of people really with that narrative. All right, well, it, it, I, all right, we'll just move on. I don't even want to talk about Tibbs. Here, here's what I would just say about Tibbs. Like, look, I, I agree with your thing about minutes of, like, grinding guys into the ground. Um, and, like, his sensibility of it is sometimes, like, way off. Fair point. But he's just a fantastic defensive coach. I think he's a great strategist. I think he, he really is great with organization. I think his players are always prepared. I think he gets the most out of his group. Like, I think he gets the most out of his group. And that's what I ask of a head coach. All those guys you named, I agree. They're all self-made guys. Like, I don't think they were better because Tom Thibodeau was their coach. But I think he was able to, you know, just put the pieces of the team together and make sure everyone was doing the things they should do and, and be successful. End the story. Fine. Let's just move on. Yeah. I don't want to talk about yeah, five and minutes, more. and all we've talked about is like shit from five years ago. <laughs> okay, fantastic. so let's 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 go in. <laughs> this is a great show, Doug. I've really enjoyed it. It's fantastic. It's the worst. Right, so- the best thing to do would be just to not record this. Just throw it away and start again tomorrow. <laughs> That's not going to happen. We'll, this is we'll, good we'll, stuff. We'll, we'll all right, it anyway. so we're going to go into the grade, the season review process. All right, and I want to yeah, get okay. into this. And now, glad we left four to- minutes for it. This this is part one. <laughs> Part one is today, part two is tomorrow. So we'll probably get through one player <laughs> with the grading. And I want to get into um, I want to get into DeMar DeRozan. Let's start out with DeMar. Um, and I have four questions for you. Your grade, get in, do you feel uh, he will be on the team next year knowing Acme? If you were the GM, would you want him on the team next year? I guess there's three questions then. So let's um, go ahead. <laughs> and then I your will, general comments. I will give Demar an an A, and I feel that that is probably puts me in a small niche of people. Absolutely, except, because I, I'm I think shocked. people, I think people are worn out on Demar. Um, but so what I'm going to do is I'm going to grade Demar because he's making 27 million a year, and he's still giving you elite all star caliber offense, and. And and so I just give him an A for that. Like it just it's an A. I get why everyone's worn out. I get that he can't mesh with other people. But he's basically doing the same thing this year as last year, except he just doesn't have so many game winning shots. Um I would probably keep him if I were our GMs, because they refuse to rebuild. And if you're not rebuilding, I think you're probably better off keeping DeMar. But I would definitely shop him and see what's out there. I would look to see if I could make a trade of DeMar for role players that are younger. So basically, I extend out my timeline and get role players that maybe fit the NBA. 
But when I tried going and finding trades like that, there's just not much out there that's like that. You know, I just think it's going to be really hard to do that because the same reasons you want to move DeMar, despite his great talent, are, are the same reasons another team isn't going to want to bring him in. I'm really shocked you gave him an A because I, I, I definitely feel just the pulse of the fan base. So I presented this question to the fan base in one of my incredible tweets. DeMar DeRozan started 74 games. He shot 50, 32, 87. He averaged 24.5 points per game, 5.1 assists, and 4.6 rebounds. What grade would you give DeMar for his play during the 22-23 season? What do you think won, A, B, C, or D, or F? Uh, C. Actually, B. 64% of the fan base gave him a B. Second was 27% gave him an A. Because I kind of felt the same way as you did, that there's a definite, like, negative turn in DeMar in the fan base just by some well, of the stuff I read. And I don't think people dislike DeMar. Like, I don't think people are like, oh, like, I think everyone likes DeMar as a guy. Like, he seems like a great guy. I love DeMar. But, Absolutely. you know, he just has, like like I just said, he has really obvious limitations. It's hard to build around him. And fans have realized that. And then you look at, like, well, it's hard to build around him and he's aging out. Right? Like, if, if it was hard to build around DeMar but he was 23... And you're going to lock him up for like six years in his prime. You just be like, all right, well, it's hard, but we have a star player. So we're going to do it anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> just you'd figure out a way to do it. You're like, all right, we need different guys around DeMar than we did in a different situation. And that makes some things harder, but he's so good. We just have to. Uh, but I can't remember if he's going to be 34 or 35 going into this next season. But you're just now at a point where you're like, all right, well, he's got one more year left. He's probably going to be fine for that year. But now... What do we extend him at to play for, you know, like up to 38? Like, how well do we think he'll hang on? He hasn't defended anyone in the last two years already. You know, like, we don't run as much with him. We we pound the ball with him. Like, he's really great, but we're missing out on these other things. And, you know, as a guy making it in his mid-20s, I think that's totally fine. But, you know, you, you, you know you can't keep him forever. Like, it's just you're going to have to change. And so now... And because of that reality, people, I think, want to downgrade what he's actually done this year because they know it's not a great thing going forward. So there's like a little bit of forward projection into what he's done this year. And then also a little bit of like, well, he's not a true number one. Well, he's not even paid like the 25% max contract. (laughs) He's not paid. He's played like a number three. Like, so, you know, like relative to his salary, he's giving you maybe poor man's Batman production and he's paid like, you know... I don't know, Commissioner Gordon, or whatever you want, whatever the role player in this this Batman scenario is. So I, I, I think he's still an A, but it's just it's it's a weird situation with him, and it, it you know, both now and in the future. People need to remember a couple things about Demar too. Like he, he he had an injury, I think it was right around the All Star break, and I felt he kind of significantly declined a little bit after that injury, and I think he was playing through it. Now that's part of the reason why we love Demar. He's remarkably durable. His last few seasons, 74, 76, uh, 61 games, and I think it was that, that was the COVID-shortened season, but 80, 77, 74, 78. His lowest amount of uh, games played in the season is 60 in his career. He's played over 80 games, one, two, three, you know, or over 70 games, like seven, eight times. Remarkably durable player. I think we can all agree on that. 
can pass the ball, gets to the line a ton, and hits free throws at a very high rate. There's a lot to love about DeMar. The negatives are, to me, and they're, they're, they're kind of big, is number one, he's not a great defender, and number two, can't hit the three. 29% three-point shooter. And in today's game, it's just like, gosh, if that's just one skill you could have somehow developed at, at an average rate, he'd be just so much more valuable, I kind of feel. You know, like especially for this team, which is just starving for an outside shooter. But that said, there's so much more to love about him. And I think he's been great for us. I mean, he averaged 27.9 points. That's his career high last uh, in 21-22 as a bull. Phenomenal season. And 24.5 last year, which is well above. Again, I think that's his second highest total. No, I take that back. Uh, his third highest total in his career. So he's a 21 point per game score for his career. Guy's been great for us. Absolutely great. And, you know, I do kind of want to see him come back because I do feel like he's good for these younger players um, that are so important and their develop is so, is so important for us to. It's really our only way, right, Doug? In my opinion, is, is Patrick Williams, Kobe White, Io. Those young guys, Dale and Terry to a lesser extent, one of those three, one of those four has to take a jump. And we started to see what Kobe saw it a little bit with Patrick. Uh, but I think, again, that's going to be helped and facilitated with DeMar DeRozan on the team, despite what some people say about him taking all of uh, Patrick Williams' shots. I, I think he, DeMar is terrible for the development of other players. Okay. He, he just pound, he pounds the ball all the time. Like, he, I mean... The big three the Bulls have, they just take so many shots and they pound the ball so much. It's just really hard for anyone else to do anything in that scenario. I disagree. I couldn't disagree with this statement more because I feel like the best thing to help develop a young player is having a player on the court who attracts consistent double teams. And DeMar DeRozan is a player who attracts more double teams outside of Zach. I'd say, I think over the past two years, I've seen more doubles on DeMar than any player, including Zach. Now, Zach, at the end of last year, started getting pretty consistently doubled. But that's that's a huge plus for a young player. That means that somebody, and especially in Patrick's case, that's why I think when, it's when such you don't a have good pathetic, passers, pathetic excuse helps, for help Patrick Williams. What helps a young player is getting the ball in places where they can score. Well, get the ball. Here's a, here's a good idea. How about you run towards the offensive boards, grab the rebound, and dunk it home since no Sounds one's Sounds like you were drifting into the point of one particular player you're upset about all right I, I think we're out of time what a great ending <laughs> all right, let's bring in the boss great great talk Doug. <laughs> so part one is finished of the grading show part two the next time i can't wait to talk to you again my friend talk oh to you again God. soon until go next bulls. time if it ain't bulls it ain't basketball whatever go bulls take it easy brother bye-bye <laughs>